Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. As we look at the gospel reading today, it's one of my favorites, and, it, and, and there's so much in it that it, we could do this for weeks, but we won't. Although, if you saw my notes, you might think I'm going to be up here for a week. So, all of us have friends, that special friend, friends that are close to our heart. We have acquaintances, we have all these things we're pleasant with, but maybe friends that we spend more time with, maybe share life, parts of our life with, and finally, these are kind of our secondary friends. Maybe we share a little bit more. In young life, when we used to look at kids, we'd meet kids at the school, I'd carry around a note, and there's a graph, and quite literally, we would meet a kid, and that would be knowing a name, and then they'd become acquaintance because they knew your name, and then it would move over to the next where you started to spend time with them, and they became friends that you spent time with, and finally, it was moving over again to disciple, and that's our hope with everyone is that every kid moves from the beginning of this, I know their name, to a follower of Jesus, and that's the graph that we would use just to keep up with where kids were. But we also have our friends in life that we've shared everything. For me, besides Mary Jane, my closest friend is a man named Creed Pori. Now, Creed and I grew up together in Navasota, Texas, and we probably didn't do a whole lot of good things then. Um, but then we went off to college and lived together, and we really didn't do good things then. Um, but through all of this, we were bonded together. We began to know each other. We knew everything about each other. And I knew that no matter what, he was the friend that I could call. And if I called him right now, he would say, I can be there in about four hours. No matter what, he would drop whatever came um, to be here with me. And I know this because I've seen this play out in my own life. See, when I got sick, Creed was the first friend that showed up. And when he saw me in the state that I was in, he burst into tears. There's this deep love. I was with him when his father passed away. We were in northwest Arkansas camping, got a call that said his father had passed away, and we drove through the night so he could be at home with his family. We shared life together, and because of this bond, we've shared everything about who we are and what gives us life. So as we look at this passage of John today, I think we have to pay attention and we pay close attention to the setting and what Jesus is sharing with his disciples. This is really important stuff for us. For Jesus is at his end of time on earth. They sit in this upper room, and it's this teaching that goes on while they're up there, and he's sharing this Passover meal, and little do they know that he soon would be their Passover lamb. And the disciples still, they don't fully understand what's about to take place, but Jesus is fully aware that his mission is nearly complete, and that soon he'll pay the price for the sins of the world, yours and mine included. He has lived and shared life with them for three years on the earth. And he has taught, loved, and corrected them. There's undoubtedly been moments of intimacy that we don't read in the scriptures. That they probably walked together and the conversations that were had or sitting around a campfire. There was probably laughter. There was probably tears. Like any good friendship, they've spent a ton of time together. And they know each other well. And on this night, Jesus is with those who've stayed close to him. Yeah, soon one of these will deny him, and others will scatter, and even one will betray him. But Jesus chooses to be with his friends, and he continues to teach and to share this meal and his life with them. For Jesus' friendship is the ultimate relationship with God and one another. One of the most common verbs for love in Greek is phileo. 
The Greek word for friend is phylos and comes from the verb, and this comes from the verb to love. In the New Testament, a friend is immediately understood as someone who loves. And for us, this connection between love and friendship is essential. It gives us a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and the relationship that he's called us into. And ultimately, it gives us a greater understanding of what Jesus restored for us on the cross and in his resurrection, a reconciliation of relationship with his father. As we look at the words Jesus speaks to us here, there are a few initial that, initially that stand out. The first is that he has been teaching in this upper room on this night. It's a pretty special place for him to be. He's just finished his teaching his disciples that they must be connected to, each, to the Father, the vine and the vine dresser. That apart from him, there is no life at all. And then he continues to teach and he makes a statement that's hard for us to grasp fully unless we bore down a little bit into what he's saying. He has a new command. He says, a new command I give you. Now, mind you, Jesus is actually not the first time he shared this. In John 10, he says that love one another. By this, they'll know you're my disciples. Love is it's very important. How are they going to be held together? Love your neighbors, yourself. Love each other. This is a critically important. And in fact, in this passage, he says it more than once. Love one another. This is what will bond them together. So he says this. This is important stuff. It's critical for them to understand. The command is to love one another as Jesus has loved. That would be one thing just to say love one another. But it says as Jesus loved. If he makes it a command, then he will give us the capacity to be able to live this out. So let's look at the context of friendship then and now. So I want you to know that this was not a foreign thing. We think about the quality of friends, some of the things that we think are important, the hard and fast attributes of friendship, faithfulness, trustworthy, someone to laugh and cry with, or maybe just a person that's agreeable and fun to hang out with. But as we look at the ancient world, in the time of Jesus, a friend meant so much more, not just to what was written in the scripture, but classical philosophy really had a sense of what a friend was. A friend was not an acquaintance, but someone who put others before themselves for the common good of all that surrounded them and for the common good of their homeland. For example, the Greek philosopher Aristotle said this, but it is also true the virtuous man's conduct is often guided by the interest of his friends and of his country, and that he will, if necessary, lay down his life in their, on their behalf. And this is doubtless the case with those who give their lives for others. Thus they choose great nobility for themselves. The quotation from Aristotle represents the classical idea of friendship, what it means expressed by many writers, many philosophers of the time. The mark of a true friend in that time would have been marked by this idea of putting others before yourselves and that of the community for the common good. But Jesus takes it a step further. But I want you to look at the passage through different lens. Jesus' definition of love and friendship in John 15, 13, to lay down one's life for one's friend is not just rhetoric. It's not just a philosophy to live by or a noble declaration that Jesus makes flippantly. He is commanding us to live this way. Most of what we've been taught about friendship does not speak in terms of life and death in our world. We celebrate our friends. We eat and drink with our friends. We take vacations with friends. We are there when a friend is in need, but a modern ideal of friendship 
is not someone who lays down his or her life on behalf of another. We say it, but do we live that out? As Jesus speaks of friendship, there's a different understanding of the cost of friendship. But this does not mean that more people were inclined in the ancient world to lay down their lives for their friends than they are today. But it does give us a sense of friendship and what it meant to his disciples, what their understanding would have been. So the creator of the universe, their friend, their Jesus, is calling them into friendship. Another of the main distinguishing marks of a friend that we see in this passage in Jesus' time on earth during his ministry was the ability that in the reality of speaking truth. Parisia in Greek, frankness of speech, it's the language of friendship. And on the other hand, a lack of frankness is considered unfriendly and ignoble. The New Testament writings were not created in a social vacuum. The idea of friendship was defined by two critical dimensions. Friendship of friendship. So what disciples would understand about friendship is laying down your life for a friend. And the other idea is to speak truthfully and frankly and openly. It shaped their world. But it doesn't mean that it necessarily lived out. It was the philosophy of the time. But Jesus takes this a step further. In 15, John 15, 12 through 15, it's critical because as John is sharing the words of Jesus, we begin to understand that we are called friend by Jesus if we follow his commands to love one another. But these verses, love one another as I have loved you. But these verses provide the words to describe and name who and what Jesus is as friend. And John, Jesus is both model and the source of friendship. As the model of friendship, he calls the disciples to love as he is loved. As the source of friendship, he makes possible their own friendship through what he has given them. Although Jesus' words in these, this section would not have sounded out of place necessarily for the go- or the gospel's first readers, after all, he taught common thought that no one should look to their own interests and be willing to lay down their lives But what distinguishes Jesus' words from the prevailing thoughts and philosophies of the day was not that he talked about laying down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated his friendship in that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus did not just talk about their friendship. He came to live it out. In other words, Jesus is living out true friendship as he calls us his friends. Jesus is not speaking generally about the gift of one's life for others, Jesus is making a specific promise about his own life and how he will lay it down for his friends and for each of us. Jesus doesn't merely talk the language of friendship. He lives it out of his life and death as a friend. And he commands that his followers do the same. The commandment to love as Jesus is loved may be the most radical words of the gospel because it claims that this love that enabled Jesus to lay down his life for his friends is not unique just to him. He has gifted it to each of us. That this love that Jesus shared with his disciples is a love that can be replicated and embodied over and over and over again by his followers, by each of us. To keep Jesus' commandment is to enact his love in our own lives. 
Jesus affirms the significance of this commandment by stating that followers become his friends to the extent that they can keep his commandments, that they do keep his commandments to love one another. Not many of us will find ourselves in a situation where we're asked to lay down our lives as an expression of friendship and an act of love, although it's important to recognize that there are those in stories of saints and martyrs and those who come before us that have, that we remember the times and places where such an expression of love has been the case and so remind us that we can never know what will be asked of us by God. But that does not mean we are therefore exempt from Jesus' commandment to love as he loved. In John 15, 14, friendship with Jesus seemingly has a conditional element. You are my friends if you do what I command you. There's a sense of obedience, the paradox of friend and Lord. He follows the statement with, I do not call you servants any longer. I have called you friends. To this point, the disciples have dropped everything they have known to follow Jesus. But the real marks of friendship will come as the disciples live out this commandment as they go out into the world. And as we see their lives and as they live beyond this time, this idea of love and friendship, of laying down one's life, will be played out in their lives over and over. They're not going to simply go to, simply follow Jesus, but are willing to lay down his life for Jesus and the gospel. I want you to pay attention to what he says next. I've made known to you everything I've heard from the Father. Jesus speaks plainly and honestly with his disciples. And through his plain speaking, acknowledges them as friends. The disciples are Jesus' friends because he has spoken to them openly. He's made known to them everything that he's heard from his Father. And subsequently, through his word and the gift of the Holy Spirit, he has done the same thing for you and I. The fourth century theologian Ambrose, he captured this in a quote. Let us reveal our bosom to a friend and let him reveal his to us. Therefore, he said, I've called you friends because all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. Therefore, a friend hides nothing if he is true. He pours forth his mind just as the Lord Jesus poured forth the mysteries of his, of his father. We're to share life, share what we know, share relationship with each other. And in sharing everything, Jesus enables his disciples to participate in the intimacy and trust of the Father by means of which they acquire that openness, parisia, which is the privilege of a free man and a friend. So think about the things that we know about Jesus. And one of the places that we see him being friend is in the foot washing. It's a sacrament of friendship. For example, the verb used to describe Jesus' removal of the outer robe, the verb to lay down, is the same that he uses when he talks, when it anticipates his laying down his life in friendship from John 10 and 17, 15. The foot washing Jesus offers completely to his disciples, assuming the role of a servant, demonstrably an act of sacrificial love. Servants. Not host or masters wash the feet of guests. In the foot washing, Jesus makes the ultimate act of hospitality and ultimately the act of friendship. He stands neither on ceremony nor precedent, but engages in an act that makes his love and grace visible. And are we doing the same things 
Do we serve? Do we make grace and love visible to those around us as we live in this world? But Jesus will not, Peter, of course, says you can't do it. But Jesus isn't going to let Peter's resistance become a problem. And he says, unless I wash you, you have no place with me. And, and a paraphrase of that is, hey, unless I wash you, you're not my friend. Do what I commanded you to do. In the foot washing, Jesus and his disciples move from being servants and masters to friends. In the foot washing, Jesus gives the disciples something to share with them. And that share with Jesus is what makes the disciples' understanding of friendship possible. Love all. Love and service are defined by what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done is share himself completely with the disciples through the symbolic act of foot washing. Plain and honest speaking may not seem to us as a radical act as laying down one's life, but an essential characteristic of Jesus' friendship with us. Without plain and frank speaking, are we really being friends? Sometimes the hardest things that I have to do would it would be easier to lay down my life than have to confront someone or have a conversation. Sometimes we run from those things. Laying down life seems noble, but it's also noble to share the truth with someone. Jesus' commandment to love as he is loved might feel unattainable, but Jesus has shown and lived it out what friendship is and how we're to live in the world. Jesus in life and death, his words and deeds showed and told his followers everything about God's love. His followers' relationship to the world and to one another was forever changed and transformed because of the way he made them friends and made us friends. Think about all the implications of this for you and I. Jesus has treated you, me, and all of us as full partners in his relationship with God. His friendship is more than the model of human love and friendship. Jesus' friendship becomes the source of his disciples' capacity to have friendship. We've been changed by Jesus' honest and plain speaking, and this transformation lies in the heart of Christian friendship. As Jesus did to his followers, it's a radical act because it's an act that assumes that everyone with whom we speak is our partner and companion. One of the things that I learned on my first day on the job in, my, in the ministry that I did before this was meet people with the idea that you'll know them for the rest of your life. Friendship is something that is not fleeting. It's something that stays with us. It's an investment in life. Jesus gave everything to his friends and everything to us. His knowledge of God and his own life he even laid down his life for each of us and took on what we deserved so that, and was buried and was raised from the dead so that we might have life. Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved without limits. And he makes it possible for us to live a life of loving others as ourselves because we have been transformed by everything he shared with us. Through Jesus' sacrifice for us and friendship, we come to know God, and through friendship, we enact the love of God. We can't risk being friend. We can risk being friends because Jesus has been a friend to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.